Welcome Cat fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. We spent some quality time with three individuals to make up Episode 9 of Forward Capital Crusaders. We opened the show with the longest tenured and most decorated coach in Capital Athletics. That's Dixie Jeffers of women's basketball. We'll check in with Coach on what is up with her Crusaders and talk a bit about some of her other duties in Capital Athletics. There are many. Then we'll take a dive into the beginnings of an All-American career with the newest member of our All-American club, thrower John Josh Miller of Track and Field. The throwing specialist shares with us the mindset and what it takes to achieve one of the pinnacles of an athletic career. We'll also bring on to the show our first lacrosse alum. From the men's lacrosse program, we'll welcome in Danny Davide, class of 2017, to talk about the first team's capital fielded just seven short years ago and the success the Crusaders had. So here we go. It's time for Episode 9. Before we begin today's episode, if you've turned on the TV, been online, or scanned social media, you no doubt understand that our communities, our states, our country, we're all in the middle of a historic period. On this program, we've talked a lot about COVID-19, but that is a recent event, and we're hopeful despite the damage it's caused that one day it can be eradicated with treatment and vaccines. But there is another disease running rampant in our society that is more deeply rooted and goes back to the origins of our country. In fact, the city of Columbus just recently deemed it a public health crisis, and that is racism. The murder of George Floyd has sparked a new movement and awareness of racism and discrimination in the United States, and he is just the latest in a long and shameful list of heinous acts against people of color in our country. Simply put, we cannot and will not stand for words, thoughts and behaviors that instill fear, that deprive people of color their freedoms, their dignity, or their very lives. Can't happen, won't happen. It's time to enact the solution to eliminating racism, and it starts with all of us. Whether you have to look in the mirror and inward toward your own heart, or continue to exhibit love and compassion for all people around you, even those that may not do so themselves, it does start with us. Many of us come from places in which we don't fully understand, but we know we don't like what we see happening to the people of color in our country. It's in this time that we not only have to stand up against the bigotry, but also take time to educate and empathize. So have an open and honest conversation about racism and show concern and support toward those in your circles who may be feeling oppressed, angry, sad, or fighting the good fight with spirited determination. To the black community in and around Capitol, we are here for you. We stand with you. We love you. We may have differences on the outside, but we see who you are inside, and we respect and love you for that. This isn't a PSA for Capital University. This is a call out for the world, for all the people in this country and across the globe to stand up against discrimination in all its forms, but especially racism against our brothers and sisters of color. At Capital, we will continue to foster a welcoming place, a place free of divisiveness and prejudice, a place that where the only color that matters is purple, and we hope that our ways help spread and add to all the ongoing efforts across the country and world bringing awareness to and fighting the good fight against racism. Let's continue to do our part to make Columbus, Ohio, the United States, and this world a better place, not just for some, but for all.
All right, fans of the purple and the white, we are here with another programming coach check-in, and today we head to our winter sports, and we head to the hardwood, bringing in head coach Dixie Jeffers of the women's basketball team, and coach, we know that you can't sit still for anything, so how is this new normal treating you, and how has it altered your normal normal? Well, at first, I kind of welcomed it, because we were getting ready for the final four, and by the time I got everything shipped back out and dealing with everything, I was so tired and just spent from the season and everything else and just dealing with the pandemic that I enjoyed the rest. Now I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I, um, I don't know how many miles I can walk, how many times I can walk the dog or how many different sit-ups and, and stuff I can do. But um, I've read six books. And I'm constantly, I think the kids are tired of me Zooming them and, and dealing with them right now. So, um, yeah, if I'm still coming out of my skin, I'm still on the move. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, have you gotten stern crazy? Your, your husband, John, is he driving you crazy or have you driven him crazy? Like, who's driving who crazy over there in the Jeffers household? Actually, we've really enjoyed one another's company. Because for me to be home just doesn't happen. And we, we really have uh, enjoyed one of this company and been able to do some things around here, around the house and get done. And uh, I mean, I think uh, Goodwill has become our new best friend. Well, that's when you know you have something special, when you can be stuck at home with one another. And it actually is a good thing. So, now, And it's been a year. I mean, it all seemed like it came to a pretty screeching halt at the worst possible time when you mentioned we were ready to host a national final four. Um, you know, what was the thing that you were most looking forward to when it came to hosting the NCAA division three women's basketball final four? I'll tell you that the people that were left in the field, we were, we had, uh, gotten down to the last eight and, um, the people were still, the teams that were still in the field were going to be dynamic. And I was looking forward to being able to show Columbus to them. And the Greatest Sports Commission and us were ready to put on one of the best, if not the best Final Four, in my opinion, that I had been associated with in my years at Capitol. So I was really excited to have them come to town and, and have introduced the All-Star Game to Columbus, which was only in our second year. And the numbers on that were astounding of how many people were voting and everything. And just disappointed, disappointed for the coaches, disappointed for the kids, I'm more disappointed for the seniors that didn't get to play out this dream. And we will recover because we'll have more Final Fours at Capitol. But uh, it's about the kids and the coaches and, and the fans and the parents. Well, we're looking forward to it. And, and thank you for the warning that we have more Final Fours coming. I'll get myself prepared for that as well. <laughs> You know, Coach, you had a pretty young team this year for focusing back on the Capitol squad. You had a lot of freshmen that were being asked or had earned an opportunity to contribute toward your 14 and 12 season. So of all of those that, you know, were younger, who impressed you the most? I'll tell you, we, we had some young, uh, young kids that did play a lot for us as freshmen. Uh, Demi Brewer, I think, is going to be an incredible point guard along with Maddie Reese. I think Erica Linder has scoring capabilities. She just needs to understand how to let the ball fly a little bit more. And she will as a sophomore moving forward. I think our two bigs, Gabby uh, Ledbetter are six, at 6'3", six, and Kaylee Cyphers at 6'2". Uh, I couldn't be more proud of them as, as a growth this year. 
and what they're doing right now in the off season. And that's where kids grow. Um, freshmen are freshmen. They're weak. They don't understand how hard to play. They don't understand the system. They don't understand how to, to, to manage to the grind of college basketball. So once they get that year in, all of our freshmen are going to be better next year. And I'm looking forward to them coming back as well as our upperclassmen. Now you mentioned the two bigs that you have in Kaylee and in Gabby. Having two six footers on the same roster is kind of rare, at least uh, in today's game. Is this a move to counter other bigs that are in the OAC or is women's basketball perhaps going through another shift back to, you know, more consistent big post play as opposed to strong guards and shooters? I think it's a move on the calculated move on our part is to go out um, and be able to get some just not bodies, but kids that actually can do some things for you. Um, D3 small ball is a wonderful to watch. But if you really want to compete in the national tournament, you're going to have to have a post or two that can get some things done inside. And their bodies and their girth really is going to allow us to occupy some space and to finish. And once they get their footwork and their spacing uh, together, coupled with Brooke Almert in the middle and so forth with them and get Jossie Kaiser coming back and it's just, it's going to be a nice addition. And we have an incoming freshman, Maddie Duguid, who's coming in from Mercy, which is a very you know, high talented program. And those five kids are going to give us some inside pick, but I'm still old school, believe that you go inside outside. Do we want to shoot the three a little bit more? We do, but I also am not going to ignore the post game because that's, what's going to take you down the road a little bit further. Now, I know last year you had a couple of uh, seniors that uh, were big-time contributors to the game. And, you know, unfortunately, they go out and graduate and go into adult life. But of those that are going to be coming back next year that you haven't already mentioned, you know, who excites you or maybe who else stood out uh, amongst the upperclassmen? Well, Caroline Tapper uh, led the, the conference in assists this year. And she wasn't even our point guard. So, um I'm excited about her coming back. If she can control herself emotionally and really let people see the kid that we see every day in practice, um, she could be a total impact player, not just for us, but in this conference. And I really want to see those things come full circle for her because she's a first teamer type OAC player. It's just, we got to be able to put the whole thing together. And, and I know she's working on it and that's one of her goals and, I think that she can do it coming back. I think Jossie hasn't, she's played a little bit limited Kaiser for us, but she is one of those kids that is a tweener. So she's tough to guard on the outside. And we obviously we don't want to post her up so much because she's not a true post player, but she can take you on from the outside and so forth. And then you have uh, Emma Burns that's coming back and Brooke Omert who played a lot for us. I feel really good about the, the two juniors and so forth. And, you got Allison Roach coming back again as a senior, and she did some really good things. Just needs to be a little bit more consistent uh, for us at the guard play. And, you know, we're not going to have a lot of kids, uh, and that's good for us. We'd like to round our roster out next year around 16, 17 and stay there. Well, that'll be good, too, because everybody will know one another, and that makes for good team chemistry. When all those things come together, I'm sure a good season is abound. We're talking with head coach Dixie Jeffers of the women's basketball program at Capitol. And so we kind of alluded to what is coming up next year and you mentioned one of those recruits that you have coming in uh is there anybody else that you can kind of 
pre uh, prelude to as far as uh, little surprises that you have waiting for us in 2020? <laughs> well, we actually are still trying to finish up our 2020 class. Um, we can open back up here. We're going to visit some more kids and so forth. But Aaron Burns, Emma Burns' sister, and as long as I don't call her Emma because they look just alike, they're not the same player. They have very different styles which will complement uh, one another and, and really help us out in a lot of different ways. But I, I'm, I'm glad that she's coming. She is, uh, she has great court vision and she's a shooter scorer like Emma is, but uh, she's a little bit stronger and, and likes the physicality a little bit more than what Emma does. Good to know. Now you hold a lot of different titles. You are also at Capitol, the associate athletic director and the senior woman administrator or SWA for short. For those that may not know, what are the responsibilities of an SWA? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'm constantly trying to educate people on that. The Senior Women's Administrator is mandated by the NCAA. And what we represent is the equity within the department. Not just for women, we represent the equity for males and females. So if we feel like there's any inequity going on, it is my job to address it. It's my job to listen to the student athletes if they feel that it's it's existing and then to investigate it and so forth. So it's all about equality and it's about uh, doing things to help uh, the, the, the uh, student welfare and the, the experience be better. Now, you already have a lot of titles. If you could add one more title to your name, that you would want people to remember or know you as, what would that be? If I had to pick one title, it would be called the problem solver. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that a lot of people come to me to solve their problems and it's good and it's bad. Um, I'm glad they trust me and respect me and being able to give them advice. And I think that's what comes to when you stayed around someplace as long as I have. And um, I'm glad they come. I would never turn them away, but it would be the problem solver. Well, you know, I think that we're going to we're going to also deem you having the most comfortable furniture because you have to have a good couch for everyone to sit on to be <laughs> able to bring all their issues to you. So there's that head coach Dixie Jeffers, also SWA and associate athletic director at Capital University. Uh, looking back, coach, we know that you have. Uh, multiple national titles on your resume and the nineties were incredibly uh, very good to you and you to the nineties. Do you have another win that stands out among the rest? If you take out the title wins. Oh yeah. It had to be against Wilmington. Um, it was Sarah Hadkamp's birthday that day. And we went down there and we were getting just kicked all over the floor and it was a packed house. And I kept saying, get it, Get it to 20. Get it to 20 by half. Just get it to 20 by half. And we went in at halftime, 23 down. And we made history because it was the, the, the best comeback of a point spread in the history of Division Three. So we went in at halftime, and I just said, we're not going to lose this game. We're going to reduce it down what we're doing. We're going to do these four things, and this is all we're going to do. And we came out, and fortunate enough, they continued to shoot the three ball. And we went on a run. And with about six seconds left, we're there at the shooting of free throw. And Sarah Heikamp looks over at me, asking me basically if I'm going to take a timeout or not. And I just point at her and point towards the basket. And she drove 
the length of the floor as the buzzer was starting to go off and put the ball up and the ball went in and we won like that. It was one of the most unbelievable victories that I'll never forget in my coaching career. It was phenomenal. And so that would have probably taken us back to what about the early 2000s of finals? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I'm sure that they probably don't forget that as well, but for opposite reasons of use. So that's uh, certainly a good win to keep in the resume. And, you know, like you have mentioned that, you know, you've been around for a while and no doubt that you have made an impact on people other people have had to have had an impact on you, especially earlier in your career. Do you have an inspiration that, uh, or an inspirational person that has impacted your career? I think my father was my inspiration. Uh, growing up with six brothers and a father that, you know, coached a, a stint at Ohio Northern and loved football and everything. And that's all I was ever around. And he would go out with me. I would go and get him. He would go out and he'd teach me how to, to do a pitcher in softball or he'd work with me in basketball, anything I wanted to do, he would work with me. And he just always was so forward thinking and always said he wasn't one of those people. Like he would he made me learn to cook and all those things. But he always said to me, he didn't know why I worked so hard at athletics because there wasn't an opportunity, but he supported me and he knew that I loved it. And then when I got to be in eighth grade, it all started opening up for girls in the state of Ohio. So it was right place, right time. Father was my biggest inspiration. Excellent. Now, Coach, we're going to put you on the hot seat. We got a slew of questions that are going to help us learn a little bit more about you and your team. So as we fire them off, fire right back with an answer. Your first, <laughs> your first question, who was your favorite, favorite athlete growing up or current athlete? Jerry West was my favorite athlete to watch because he had eyes in the back of his head. It was a phenomenal passer. And uh, Larry Bird, love to watch both of them. Favorite sports teams that you typically follow? Well, the Ohio State, obviously, and the Crusaders. And, and professionally, we love the Celtics. All right. Do you get a chance to watch some sports movies? And if so, what's your favorite? <laughs> For the love of the game. I should have saw that one coming. <laughs> uh, what what other sports did you play growing up? You said you played a lot of them. Yeah, I ran track. Um, I did individual events. Uh, I anchored relays, played volleyball, played summer softball. And that's really what was offered to us at that time. I would love to have played maybe some soccer. And uh, lacrosse fascinates me. And there's just so many opportunities now that I wish we would have opportunities back then. But I played what I played and whatever was available. I would love to see Dixie Jeffers with a lacrosse stick. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> what What is your favorite thing about the game of basketball? Winning. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Uh, I, I just love the ability to take a group of kids and to try to put the defensive end together and then put the offensive in together and see it all come together and to see these kids work for a common cause and to become better people and just better basketball players, but just understand how sports influences their lives moving forward is what really gets me going about the game. Now, knowing you as I do, I don't know whatever answer you provide, I could ever imagine this, 
But if you weren't to coach, what would be your dream job? Oh, I'd be selling something. <laughs> I, I don't know what it would be, but I would be in probably corporate America trying to sell something to people because I love to talk to people and I love to take that challenge of getting them to buy into what I'm selling. Um, so I definitely would be in corporate America. Now let's go to the Crusaders. Who on your roster do you feel is the team jokester? Uh, Chelsea likes to have fun. She likes to joke around quite a bit. Uh, Jimmy Brewer likes to joke around. Uh, Tap Horns knowing to like to have a good time and, and play some jokes. All right. Who on your team has the best and worst fashion sense? <laughs> I don't mean to get you in trouble, but <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble <laughs> talking about that. Um, I'm going to go to my bigs on that one. I'm going to go towards Kaylee and Gabby. Um, and the reason why they're going to tell you it's my fault because I didn't get long enough uh, travel suits for them. So I was always laughing at them because the travel suit came down above their ankles. <laughs> so uh, I, especially for going forward next year, I made sure that I was going to cover their ankles. <laughs> All right. Now, I know that you're trying to find things to do to keep you yourself occupied. What are you binge watching right now? Anything on Netflix. I, we, John and I had never seen Breaking Bad. So, boy, we binged that, and I, I really feel bad that we missed it the first time around, but I'm glad I saved it for the pandemic. But uh, Ozarks may be next. All right, that's what I was going to ask you. What's on deck or what other things are in your queue that you want to take part in? Ozarks, I'm really hoping the weather changes because I really am um, taking full advantage of being able to be home this summer with camps being delayed and so forth it's just, it's kind of strange just to be here and uh i'm finding things to do and just enjoying the outside All right. what when you get an opportunity when the you know restrictions are lifted what are you going to do first wow uh go with friends <laughs> <laughs> i think i mean we're trying to do virtual happy hours, you know, or we, uh, the neighborhood has did the safe distancing around one another just to talk to one another and so forth. I just, we're made to interact. So I really just, I'm able, I haven't seen my sister in months. So probably drive up to Willard and see my sister. All right. Now, if you had to pick a favorite musician, artist, or band, who's your go-to? Uh, JT. The only JT, James Taylor, Ooh. would be my, my single artist. And Fleetwood Max, my band. You had me going there for a second when you started talking, JT. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach, and to wrap it up, here's one for you. What's your favorite thing about Capital? The people. I, I've always maintained there's been a lot of changes and a lot of presidents have come and gone. and A lot of different people in hierarchy have come and gone. But the people. The, what makes Capital special is our faculty and how they interact with the kids and how they continue to change on, on a pendulum to fit the needs of our students, not just our student athletes, but our students overall. Um, it's about the people, and that's what makes Capital. We, we talk about the CAP fam all the time, and unless you experience it, you really don't understand it. 
but it's definitely the people. Couldn't agree with you more, Coach. And with that, we want to thank you for joining us here on the podcast and hope that you and all of yours stay safe and somehow try to stay sane in all of this madness. Well, I was never sane to begin with, but I appreciate all the well wishes and the same back to uh, you, Well, thank Ryan. you, Coach. This has been head coach of the women's basketball team, Dixie Jeffers, who is also your associate AD and senior women's administrator at Capital University. After a short break, we will keep on trucking along here in Forward Capital Crusaders. All right, Cap fam, it is now time for this edition of our feature, and today we are going back to some recent news that dropped on athletics.capital.edu. And if you missed it, we encourage you to go back or follow us on social media. But if you did miss it, shame on you. But Josh Miller is the newest member of the All-America Club at Capital University. So we bring in Josh to kind of get an idea of just what is the path to that elusive All-America Club. So, Josh, first and foremost, welcome to the program. Uh, how's your summer been treating you thus far? And, and know that we use summer in kind of air quotes, so to say. Yeah, uh, summer, I guess, or the break, as you would like to call it, uh, <laughs> has been, been a wild ride. Uh, my mother got sick for about 20 days there, um, and we still don't know quite if it she was had COVID or not. I was quarantined to a house for about two and a half weeks, and my girlfriend's family uh, took care of me down there. Um, but it's been a crazy ride. But I think the one thing that's been the best thing for me is I've been able to maintain training uh, for about four days a week, and it's been able to just kind of take my mind off things. And I also was able to finish with a 393 GPA. So all in all, a wild ride, but I was able to maintain uh, consistency and some discipline to get done what I had to get done. Well, first and foremost, we wish that uh, your mom have a very speedy and complete recovery to whatever it is that may be ailing her. And uh, secondly, we want to congratulate you on joining the All-American Club. You know, it seems like that is the, the pinnacle of an athlete's career. And there have been so many moments that have kind of led up to this uh, and it goes even further beyond college. So let's go back to the beginning first. Um, what is the first sport that you remember participating in? Uh, the first sport I remember participating in is basketball when I think I was about four or five years old. Wow. <laughs> I thought that it would be something like uh, wrestling or baseball, but, you know, basketball certainly is one that I didn't see coming. What uh, position or what were maybe some of your original uh, skills and maybe things that set you apart? Uh, you know, I think my size set me apart there for a while. Uh, I was a taller, uh, taller little kid and also a bigger little kid. Um, I say that in air quotes. But, you know, I think my strength was definitely an early skill. But, you know, growing up, I played until the junior year of high school uh, before I just completely focused on track. And uh, I played about every position you could imagine. I mean, I played point guard my junior year. I played all the way through center, obviously. Um, but I was, I was a little bit of a versatile uh, type of athlete uh, after my junior high years I really got into shape and uh, ended up being able to like really stretch the court and shoot which was surprising for someone my size so via, via my strength or you know my shooting back in the day which I probably don't have anymore was kind of what set me apart as far as basketball goes so there was no such thing as little Josh it was always just big Josh 
Right. No, there was never a little Josh. Uh, I think the the pinnacle of my little was when I was born and I was still about nine pounds and <laughs> it was like 13 ounces or something like that. I don't even remember. Yeah, bless your mom, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what other sports do you remember playing growing up? Oh, it's uh covers quite the oasis. So I think, you know, basketball was first and then baseball was second, golf was third. Um and I played golf really throughout my senior year and almost considered trying to play in college as well. Um and then I also remember playing or running cross country there for a while. I know that's gonna come as a shocker. Um and then I also obviously did track and field, uh, which I'm still blessed to pursue today. But I think that's about I think that covers all that I really played. Uh, my high school didn't have football or wrestling. So, I mean, the two typical sports you see as far as shot putters go, I was I actually never competed in either of those. And just as a reminder to everybody, you come from Botkins, Ohio, which is, uh, you know, about within an hour of, of Columbus, but kind of it's kind of out there. Yeah, it's out there. It's about an hour and a half in the middle of the cornfields. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make up your own games to entertain yourself or maybe even do some of that self-training. Isn't that right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember uh, your, you know, your first all-star game, your first first place trophy? You know, what did that come in? And, uh, you know, can you remember any details from that year? Oh, my gosh. Um, so I think that one would probably have been from baseball. Uh, we had a pretty good baseball team growing up. Uh, in my younger days, and I was actually a pitcher, and we won a nearby tournament. Uh, it was a summer tournament, and uh, I remember that, you know, when we took first place, I was actually the pitcher for that final game, and uh, it was an incredible feeling. Uh, growing up in a small town, you know, you watch, you watch and you get trained by the seniors of the school or the juniors, you know, the upperclassmen. You see their will to win, and that just kind of sparks your you know, your drive and your motivation at, at a very young age, because all we wanted to do was win uh, and really make our hometown proud. And so even, you know, growing up when I was probably, gosh, I was probably only six, probably eight or nine, maybe when that game happened, um, winning that trophy meant a lot to all of us. And so uh, that was as young as I can remember. And I might've been even as old as 10, but that's really, um, that's the first one that I can remember winning was a nearby summer tournament. Do you remember or, you know, is there any truth to the notion that, you know, you get that first trophy and that kind of sets a domino effect into motion? Like, man, this was really cool. This feeling is really neat. I need more of these. You know, I definitely think it can, uh, but I think it varies on every athlete. For me, it definitely did. Um, But I think it was more than that. For me, I've always been a competitive person. and I always was like growing up on the notion that if you're not giving it your all, then you're not giving it at all. Um, because if you're not 100% committed, then, I mean, you're actually just not committed at all. So growing up with that notion, you know, being 100% committed, the only result from that is you want to win a trophy or you want to be the best. So I think for me, it wasn't necessarily a domino effect, but I certainly think that's true for a lot of athletes. If you're not giving it your all, you're not committed at all. I like that. Frame it for sure. We're talking with Josh Miller, who is an upcoming senior at Capital University, the newest member of the All-America Club. And Josh, when did track exactly come into the picture and what were the first events that you ran? Uh, That was uh, nine years ago now, which is crazy. It was in seventh grade. 
Uh, so this will be my 10th season. And the events that I, you know, really only did was shot put and discus. And uh, every once in a while, I would run a 400 meter because, you know, my coach would make me. But uh, shot put and discus were always the first two. Uh, was that kind of, you know, by choice? Or did the guy, the coach look at you and be like, yep, this is big, Josh. You're definitely going to be a thrower. You know, what was your first impression on your the first events that you ran? Uh, no, I always wanted to throw. Um, I always wanted to try it. You know, my brother was a great runner, a long distance runner. And I remember going to track meets and while he was running around the track doing his thing, I would be off watching the shot putters and discus throwers and everything. And uh, I knew that was for me. I didn't fully enjoy running. At that <laughs> point, it was only on a basketball court that I wanted to run. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was completely by choice that I threw. Now, you know, you said that you were competing in things like golf and baseball and basketball and then track comes into the picture. How did you navigate what sports you wanted to pursue more seriously as you grew up? Well, you know, I think it was what I'm successful in and uh, what I wanted to pursue. Uh, if I wanted to pursue something after high school, you know, what was that going to be? Uh, I ended up deciding to quit baseball when I was uh, after my eighth grade year because it started to hurt my shoulder and elbow. And at that point, I had fallen in love with track and really just didn't want to make mess anything up with that and you know obviously after my senior or after my junior year of basketball I decided that I just wanted to pursue track and golf uh, and golf really um, you know obviously it wasn't a hard sport on my body and I wanted to be a multi-sport athlete um, and you know it taught me a lot about patience and a lot about you know staying committed through a long enduring tournament um, and so I was actually quite successful in golf but I think it was just you know what I, I was going to be successful in throughout my high school career and also what I could do uh, to achieve the most at that point. And so that was definitely deciding to pursue, you know, golf, basketball and track, and then ultimately just track. Now, do you still golf a little bit and you know, what, what's your handicap looking like? Uh, yeah, I still do golf um, quite a bit. Uh, handicap. Uh, it's not near as good <laughs> as it used to, de- used to be, but I'd say it's about, Plus eight to 10. Okay. Respectable. Respectable. Yeah, it's respectable. <laughs> Talking with Josh Miller, upcoming senior here at Capital University and the newest member of the All-America Club after a recent announcement by the USTFCCCA. Uh, Josh, you know, you kind of set your mind on track later in your high school career. Is that what brought you to CAP or, you know, how did CAP come into the picture then? Yeah. Um, so Capital pursued me. As early as I can remember, they probably were either the first or second school to really reach out and pursue me as an athlete. Um, and for a while there, uh, you know, I had taken, I think it, overall I took three visits to Capitol. Um, and they were definitely going to be one of my top choices. But as I got further along in my high school career, I was looking to go, uh, hoping to go at least a little bit bigger. Um, but my junior year, I really just did not have that great of a standout year, you know, you know, regionally, I like won a lot of meets and everything like that, but my distances were just not there for recruiting. And junior year is obviously like your biggest year to be recruited. Um, and so at that point, it was one of those things of, you know, I need to commit to see if uh, I can't get other schools interested. So I committed to CAP in December of my senior year, I think, verbally committed, but I was being heavily pursued by Finley at that time as well uh, with their coach. And after my midway through, I think it was midway through my indoor season, 
February around that time, I was doing a training session with Kim Gallivan, who was a former coach at Capitol, uh, preparing for my state meet. And I actually got hurt. And so at that point, uh, Finley really just didn't pursue me much after that. And I knew there was never going to be a scholarship left. Uh, and so I stayed fully committed to Capitol, even when, you know, senior year, I ended up going 57, 58 feet and finished third uh, in the state of Ohio. Uh, but I stayed completely committed to cap at that point because, you know, they had pursued me for three years. And uh, the one thing I respect the most is loyalty. Excellent. We're glad that you're here. Definitely. Uh, for year one at Capitol, I mean, you look back at that, it probably seems like forever ago, even though it was just, you know, two, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, what were your assessments of year one at Capitol, whether it be just being acclimated to the college life and even your athletic, uh, your first athletic year at Capitol? You know, I remember coming to Capitol and, you know, I'm a social butterfly and uh, I was blessed to make a lot of friends and join a lot of great organizations. Uh, and I hit it really hard um, right when I got to Capitol, being involved in so much, you know, training and everything like that. But I think, you know, looking back on my first year, I just realized, you know, how much growing up I actually had to do. Um, you know, as a high, at a high school level, I was mature. I was responsible. I was the leader. But college is a whole different level. And I think, you know, you know, having private talks with Logan Allison uh, really set me on the straight and narrow to where I'm at in my athletic career today. You know, Coach Weiss can attest to that. I was a young, hot-headed kid my freshman year. Um, had a lot of talent, but I really needed to calm myself down if I was going to, you know, do the things that I'm able to do now. And so, you know, when I look back, I just think it was definitely a learning point. But it was it was something that I had to have in my career at some point. You know, we talked to a lot of athletes, and when we ask them about their freshman year and things that have changed, it, or even just the impact, it's never about the maturity. So it takes a mature person to recognize immaturity at an early age. So uh, definitely a, a unique perspective in that regard. But in regard to your training regimen, I, I have to imagine that between year one and now entering year four, there have had to been some adjustments and maybe some alterations to it. Can you talk about some of those adjustments that you've made from year one to year four athletically? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the big thing is, you know, I've had, I think Taryn now is my seventh or I think she's my seventh coach since I've been at Capitol. So obviously training regimens have changed. But I think the biggest thing is just the intensity that I take into training every single day now. That's changed since year one. Uh, every day is serious. Every day is committed. Every day is technical. Every day is working hard. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, training goes, I think I do – I focus a lot more on the big lifts, squat, bench, uh, deadlift, snatch, you know, clean and jerk. Uh, I focus a lot more on those, and my weights have accelerated through. And I've also, you know, taken great pride in my conditioning, um, you know, whether that be sprinting, box jumps, you know, plyometrics, yoga. Um, I've taken a lot of a lot more discipline and training uh, into those aspects of my regimen as well. And I think that's what's changed the, changed the most is I wasn't the strongest kid my freshman year. To some, I may have seemed like it, but I definitely wasn't. And I would definitely wasn't nearly as athletic as I am today. Um and I think just the discipline factor really switched for me. You know, when you realize how good you can be and you realize you know, how much success you could have for a school, um, then you, you really start to flip a switch. And that's what's changed for me. Uh, I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm leaner. 
And I sure as hell throw a lot more. <laughs> Take note, everybody, that there is yoga even involved in throwing. <laughs> it's, it's there is yeah, there absolutely is. now. You know, from you know, what what does your daily regimen look like today? You know, kind of tell us where the bar has been set as it uh, stands heading into the twenty twenty one season. Yeah. So uh, luckily, I have. I just got back in the weight room, you know, per Governor DeWine's order that we are allowed back in. And my alma mater at Bakken's here uh, let me have keys and access to our weight room, fully renovated, and uh, I'm blessed to be able to do that. But a typical daily regimen for me, you know, it's about two training sessions uh, a day, you know, and I think a lot of people are used to, used to seeing me in the Cap Center at least twice a day at Capitol as well. But, you know, I just divide it up into a lift and training session and then a throwing session. And so right now it's, you know, getting up early in the morning, whether that be about 6 a.m. or 6.30, going to lift up at the school. Uh, and that'll typically consist of, you know, one day it'll be a little bit lower body focused with, you know, a couple big lifts, whether that be, you know, probably squats and deadlifts. Uh, that's the most consistent ones. And then it's a big conditioning block for the summer. So I'll do two or three conditioning cycles in a lift. Um, and I won't be focused on heavy lifting. I'll be focused on sprinting, dog sled pushing, farmer carries, you know, step ups, box jumps, uh, a lot of those different factors for a lot of reps and a lot of distance uh, to really set a new baseline and to get my body back into a more athletic and hostile position. Um, and then, you know, as the year progresses, the weights get bigger, uh, the sets get longer, and you start to see me lifting big numbers and putting out uh, new weight room records that people haven't seen. You know, and I think that's kind of where it's at right now in 2020, heading into 2021, is being able to lift a heck of a lot more um, weight than I ever have and making it look super easy. You know, whether that be 365 or 400 on a bench press, that's kind of where my goals are at, uh, 500 plus on the squat. Uh, and making those reps look smooth, you know, that's that's where I need to be after 2021. The bar's been set pretty high, and uh, that's where I'm going. Dude, you made me tired just listening to all of that. <laughs> I can't even imagine <laughs> that up. But good for you. There's someone that's got to do it. <laughs> We're talking with All-American Josh Miller at Capital University. And, Josh, we kind of glossed over the fact that you throw the shot put, you throw the weight, um, and I believe that uh, you throw the hammer as well if we were to get into the outdoor season. So when you look at all three of those events, do you have to train for each of those differently? Or are there different components of your training regimen that target each of those events? Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's, uh, there's some specific strength training that I do. And there's a lot of drills that, you know, people are looking at me like, what the heck are you doing? Um, uh, yeah, but there's definitely different specific training. I think for me personally, I train for uh, shot put. I train for hammer. Weight is one of those things, you know, indoor where no one really likes the weight. It's a 35-pound ball attached to a short handle, and it kind of hurts your back. Um, but you just kind of, for me, I focus on hammer technique with it as much as I can. Uh, and it ends up still going a decent distance, but I really focus on hammer and shot put. Um and there's specific trainings, uh, specific training training for that. You know, I, uh, if I'm more in a hammer block, lower legs, then I train a lot more front squats and I train a lot more mobility and, you know, all of my Olympic lifts, they target, um, they target 
uh, hammer, you know, because that's the triple extension and that's the, you know, the tension and the full body motion um, that you need in the hammer. And then, you know, my, you know, standard lifts of bench and squat, uh, press, clean and jerk, you know, those things, they really focus on um, the shot put side of things. And so, you know, there's different training regimens, obviously, but for me right now, I train overall, um, you know, when you get into professional athletes, they focus. And so you won't see them doing nearly as much lifts, but they do, you know, big weight and, sp and specific lifts. But for college athletes who are doing multiple events, you see us training for all of it. And so that's why I'm doing all of those lifts that I mentioned. Uh, you know, most people look at a thrower and they're really like, ah, it can't be that hard. You just throw the thing as far as you can, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there, but there's got to yeah. be, and I'm sure that there is a lot more technical uh, aspects to each event. So what are maybe, maybe a big challenge in each of those events that are unique to that event? You know, I think when you get to a certain point, um, some throwers are some of the most athletic people you have on your team. Uh, when you get to especially high level throwing, because doing a rotation with a 16 pound shot put in a proper way and being able to release it, you know, 55, 60 feet, that requires explosion, agility and coordination beyond a lot of people's measures. You know, when they see me throwing and they try to spin and they fall, they're like, how do you do that? It, it's, it's comical to me because obviously throwers aren't looked at as athletic, uh, but it takes so much explosion and power just to be able to do it. Um, so I think, you know, the athleticism side, you know, were underlooked, but I mean, they, it requires a great And deal. if anybody out there would like to challenge this, you know where to find Josh at least twice a day. Once the Capitol Center opens back up, I'm sure that he would love to take you through a rotation and, uh, and show you just exactly how challenging it could be. So, Josh, um, you know, when you are, you know, I mean, you've got records uh, aplenty at Capitol and those are likely to get broken again here in your senior season. How do you keep motivated knowing that you've already done so much and you've still got an entire season yet to go? You know, uh, motivation is something that I never lack because at the end of the day, you're never the best. Uh, there's always somebody chasing you or you're always trying to chase somebody. So motivation is something that I never lack and I never feel like my job is done here. Uh, the only time that I'm going to be content at Capitol is when I bring home a national championship. That's my goal. I've set that from day one with Coach Hannah Wise. She knows my ambition. She knows my drive. And this year we're going to go bring it home. So that's all the motivation that I need, you know, is to bring home a national championship and to work as hard as that needs to be done. Uh, you can't lack motivation. So I'm certainly well, it not certainly right seems that you never had a shortage of that, especially, you know, last year out of the gate, you set records and essentially qualify for nationals in the opening meet. You carried that through the entire season, got to nationals. I mean, over the course of the season, did anything change for you? The intensity, the training, like what was different from the broken record the first time to the broken record the last time before heading the nationals? You know, my training stayed the same. You know, I was intense from day one. Um, every training session was serious. Every training session was hard. Uh, it's never easy. Um, but, you know, you keep grinding. And uh, nothing really changed from day one. You know, my technique got better. I got stronger uh, over the course of my training. Uh, we made the technical changes that needed to be made. And I started throwing farther. And that's, you know, that's what you hope for. You, there's, you know, the big secret is you don't, you can't make a lot of changes during season. You can't make those huge changes 
but you see a lot of breakthroughs because you make those small tweaks to your technique and you really start to see all the work uh, and reps that you put in over the course of the summer start to pay off. And so that's why I was starting to throw, you know, farther and farther. And unfortunately I think it got cut off way too soon for me. Uh, but you know, that's, you know, that's what nothing really changed. I just kept working, kept grinding every single day and, uh, you know, small adjustments along the way was leading me to bigger and better throws. Talking with all American Josh Miller and now maybe a, a, a step back, maybe this is the somber part of the interview. You know, you, you talk about nationals getting cut short. I mean, you came into nationals ranked fifth in the country. When you looked at that, did you see that as there is still more to accomplish or this is validation of all of the work that has been done and you were pretty happy with that. Where did that rank as far as your mindset going into nationals? There's four people better than you. <laughs> I knew that was what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, you can ask any of my friends. Validation is something that I don't necessarily seek in athletics uh, because you know, I believe uh, if you stay committed long enough, you might just end up being content in your career. But right now, I'm nowhere near content. I'm nowhere near finished. But uh, when I went into nationals, there were four people better than me. And there was, you know, about 16 of them chasing me. So I was ready to go. Great mindset. And, and unfortunately, you had to hit the pause button on that. And, and we'll have to wait until next year to see if that all comes to fruition. So when you learned that um, the global pandemic would end up canceling nationals and that you wouldn't be competing after all, you know, what was the feeling like in that moment? You know, I'll just kind of take you guys through the day, uh, if you don't mind, Ryan. But uh, we woke up the morning that everything happened. Uh, pretty good. You know, I finally had been well rested from the travel, uh, ate a good breakfast. We were eating at Panera, I believe. Uh, and I had just found out that parents and spectators would no longer be allowed at the national meet, which was heartbreaking for me because, you know, my parents were traveling uh, a long ways. My aunt and uncle were going to come see me. Um, and then some of my mom's friends that lived down there. So I was going to have, you know, you know, as a typical Josh Miller crowd, I guess goes because my family and my, you know, my sports system travels so well. Um, so that was heartbreaking in and of itself. And then I went to practice, you know, finally we had a really good practice because of the travel that had been happening, but I was throwing some big, uh, big throws and technique was looking really, really good. And I wasn't throwing nearly as hard as I could. Um, and so I was really in a great mindset. And then when we got back in the car, I actually was sent a news release by one of my teammates um, from the OAC and I had just learned that my spring season had been canceled. So that's kind of, you know, following everything right now is I was sent a news release that my spring season be canceled. I was actually the one to inform coach wise of what happened, uh, which was you know heartbreaking in and of itself because I hadn't even got to outdoor and because, you know, outdoor throwing is a lot more fun and a lot, you know, you, pr you produce a lot farther distance with an outdoor shot put than you do an indoor one. Um, and so that was incredibly hard. And then later that night is when I got the phone call um, to come down to Coach Hannah's wife's room. Uh, when I went down to Coach Rice's room, she told me that um, nationals had been canceled. And I just remember my heart, my heart sunk to the ground. Um, it was awful. I, uh, to this day, it's, it's heartbreaking uh, because, you know, I think the most heartbreaking thing for me is, you know, obviously I put in so much work and dedication to it, but, I would have done that regardless whether what position I was in or not, you know, hard work and discipline. You know, it, it means a lot more than just, you know, giving the accolades, but 
I think what hits the most is, you know, I looked around some of my friends that I had made at nationals for the past three days that we'd all been together. Um, you know, some of them were seniors and their career just ended, you know, uh, completely. And, you know, they weren't even going back to their campus. They were going home and then leaving their campus immediately. Uh, and so their entire college career had just ended. And so to call it at that moment, it was heartbreaking. I remember calling my mom, my girlfriend, my dad, and I think I broke down to just about each one of them because, you know, I'm pretty stonewalled, but when something like that happens and I had to see the pain and devastation it caused to a lot of people, it hurt. It really did hurt. And I think, uh, I think it's a moment that I'll never forget. I still remember her telling me those words and walking out of that hotel lobby, uh, seeing all of the devastated athletes that I had to see. And, you know, I, I, that's a moment that's images that I'll never forget. No question that even as the news reached our ears, we, uh, I think all of our hearts broke for all of you, including you, Josh, especially knowing that you were on a path to, to something great. And thankfully the USTF CCCA, which is the governing body of track and field cross country. Um, you know, they gathered together and they made an announcement that, uh, you know, they tried to do the most right thing possible. And that's, um, awarding those that had worked so hard and achieved such heights uh, the highest honor that they could have received, and that is All-American status. And, and that is what uh, you had been awarded just about a week or so ago. So again, congratulations on that. And I know that it may not be a you know replacement for the experience that you get in competing at nationals, but you know, is there any consolation or any kind of... Um, you know, some vindication that, you know, there is something to have been taken away from this season. The thing that I'm taking away most is that I have to work harder and be more prepared for 2021. Uh, it's my senior campaign as far as capital. Um, this is the last time that I'll be wearing a Capital University jersey. Um, and so what I'm taking away most is that I have to come back stronger, faster, better. And I'm going to throw out the gate farther than anyone has seen a capital uh, i'm not gonna even i'm not gonna leave questions uh, and that's what the biggest thing there is no consolation for me you know receiving all american status you know i i want to say thank you but for me i want to earn it i want to be on that podium i want to be at top of that podium uh and i know that's how all the athletes feel right now you know we are so blessed that they were that they made that announcement but at the same time it's uh it's bittersweet because we all wanted to stand on that podium and we all wanted to fight for it at the end of the day, you know, whether you achieve it or not, you want that opportunity to fight. And, uh, you know, we put ourselves in that position and I know personally that I was going to fight and I was going to be on that podium, uh, there in North Well, Atlanta. there is no surprise, at least to me, that that is the way that you would respond, which makes me feel a little bit guilty in asking some of the following questions, because it seems like that there is still something to prove. But you are an All-American. This is, uh, you know, for many, the pinnacle of an athletic career, and you did it in just three years uh, with one yet to go. So what does it mean to be in exclusive company as far as being an All-American? Uh, it means a great deal. You know, it means that since the first day that I started this sport in seventh grade, it shows me that I've stayed committed to the point um, where I've had to, to join a club that so many great athletes before me have uh, had the privilege of claiming, um, not even just the privilege, but, you know, having that sense of accomplishment, because it's at that point, it's how much you worked. You don't get handed an All-American no matter what. 
because all of us that made it to um, nationals definitely had the, had the opportunity to, and uh, you had to work a great deal for it. Uh, so it means a lot to be an exclusive club like that. Um, but it's going to mean even more when I'm able to, you know, stand on that podium and really show just how hard I've worked and um, how skilled I am. Now, I know that uh, a great figure in capital athletics and in the track and field program, Rick Mindel, who we have one of our meets typically named after every year, that, that's a guy that you have surpassed as far as some of the top marks in capital track and field history have you gotten the chance to either talk with him or even just um, you know have him uh, congratulate you on such a, an incredible season and career thus far yeah i have um rick has been at quite a few meets uh throughout my three years at capital um and i, I remember the first alumni meet that i was at capital my freshman year i told him that i was gonna break his record <laughs> um <laughs> and uh you know he was at a lot of meets since then you know sophomore year he really thought I was going to do it uh but you know as skilled as I was I still had a lot of growing up to do uh, especially in my form and you know competition um but then junior year I came out of the gate swinging for his record you know and I think it was the second meet that I broke it um and you know he wasn't able to be there at Marietta or at Capitol but you know, he congratulated me right away and he had no doubt that I was going to do it. So he definitely congratulated me and he's been there through it all. But uh, I told him from the first day that I was going for him. So it meant a great deal because he obviously was one of the great athletes. Absolutely a Hall of Famer. And it's good to know that uh, the man that you surpassed is so supportive of you and your athletic endeavors. Uh, we're talking with Josh Miller, All-American at Capital University. And, and Josh, as we close up shop, here uh, taking a trip down memory lane and looking now forward, let's take a look into what the present is like for you. You know, what are you doing right now? Um, yeah, I know that you're back home, but uh, you got your training regimen back in. So what are you doing until we report back to camp in the fall? Um, what I'm doing right now is I'm going to be working, uh, saving up money, and then I'm going to be training and working my ass off um, every day. I'm not going to quit. Um, and I'm just going to keep striving for it. Um, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to lift. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to come home and I'm going to throw. Um, and that's what it's going to look like. I'm going to be lifting about three to four times a week, be throwing about five times a week, and I'll be conditioning every single day. Even on my active recovery days, you know, that's yoga, that's deep stretching. Uh, that's something that's going to take me to the next level. But until the time that I see 2021, yeah, you can guarantee that I'll be working as hard as I ever have, and I'm going to achieve a lot more. Well, Josh, we certainly wish you the best as far as the rest of this summer goes. Keep on training hard, working hard. Once again, uh, to your to your mom, I hope that she recovers and uh, is back at the Capitol watching meets and watching you escalate up the national rankings, as we all expect you to do. So good luck in all of those endeavors, and thank you for taking the time and telling us all about what it means and the path to being an All-American. I Absolutely. This you. has been rising senior Josh Miller, Capital University track and field, and now an All-American on top of all of the other accolades that he has accumulated over the course of his career. And if that interview did not get you amped up for the upcoming track and field season and watching Josh's progress as he heads towards the pursuit of a national championship, I don't know what will. Stay tuned for Josh as he prepares for his senior season in a national championship run. And also stay tuned as we move forward in this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. 
we mark another first as we continue our alumni spotlight segment of Forward Capital Crusaders. Not only are we bringing on our youngest alumnus to date, but we also welcome our first alum from the lacrosse programs here at Capital University. And this time we go to the men's side and we are bringing in Danny Davide, class of 2017. I know that the program has only been around for about seven years. The pool isn't as deep of alumni as other sports, but he was a crusader from day one with the men's lacrosse program. And so we bring him in today to talk with us about that experience here on Forward Capital Crusaders. And Danny, as I mentioned, uh, you came here for the first year of men's lacrosse. What was it like to walk in and know that everything, and including you, is brand new? Hey, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty nerve-wracking at first. I'm not going to lie. Um, I just didn't know what to expect. Um, Coach Olin was um, really reassuring, though, with everything. He was really eager and excited for our program to get started. Um, so that, you know, kind of settled the nerves and everything. And, um, you know, my, my teammates were really, really cool right off the bat as well. And so, um, you know, once I started to meet the guys and get into the swing of things with school, uh, everything kind of fell into place for, for me and, and the team as well. And that made everything um, a bit easier to come into a brand new program with a brand new coach and, and school and everything else in between. I mean, do you kind of think that, you know, you were a freshman. So like I said, everything is kind of new to you. Um, does being a freshman in that situation kind of, you know, mask the, the newness of an entire new program? Did that help at all? You know, kind of like the saying ignorance is bliss. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was kind of weird because, you know, I had other friends who, who were playing college lac lacrosse and, you know, they had older teammates to look up to and they had, you know, older teammates to kind of help them out with with practice scheduling um, and practicing uh, and then, you know, doing your class schedule as well. And for us, we kind of had to learn how to do it, um, you know, time management our, ourselves. Coach Olin definitely did help with like mandatory um, study tables and stuff to help balance like school and, and lacrosse and practice. Um, but you know, when it comes to making sure we were on time for, for practices and, you know, anything that had to do with lacrosse, um, we had to hold ourselves accountable for that stuff. So, um, you know, some of the, my teammates that uh, were late to, like, you know, a film session or um, a lift, scouting report, practice, anything like that, um, it was definitely a rude awakening, uh, you know, having that coach set the tone right away kind of helped. Um, but other, other than that, it was ignorance was definitely bliss for us that, that first year. Now I'm sure that navigating the college selection process, you know, that it being a brand new program, that was a major factor in your decision. Was that a, a good thing? Was it a challenge that you saw that had to be overcome? How did you view being a new program navigating that process as a senior from Maslin? Yeah, I was excited because I actually helped start two programs in high school. Um, so my freshman year, I, I, I played lacrosse since I was fifth grade at a, at a public school district in Jackson, Ohio. And um, then I went, I decided to go to a neighboring private Catholic school uh, for high school, and they actually didn't have lacrosse. So my dad and I um, got together um, and like asked the principal and our board and actually started the Canton Central Catholic program um, at Central for, for lacrosse. 
And so, you know, knowing, helping that I um, helped start a lacrosse program in high school, um, it was, I was really excited to help start a, a lacrosse program at college as well. So that made it really um, easy for me to pay capital because I was, I, I helped with the high school process and I really wanted to college level as well. Now, I know that there had to have been some other factors that, you know, went into your decision of where you would attend college. So what were those factors as you approached your decision to come to CAP? Uh, I liked the distance away from home. Uh, it was only two hours away from, from Maslin, whereas, uh, you know, it's, it's drivable. I can get there in a day if, like, a family emergency happened. But also, um, I wanted to go to a school where my family could come watch me play all the time. So, again, it was only two hours from my hometown. So I was able to um, – so my parents were able to come down and see my games, all, all the home games that we had. Um, and then I just really liked Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I mean, I've – I've been down quite a few times for like the state uh, championship games with uh, basketball and football. And um, with, with my dad growing up, we'd come down and watch the, those games. So um, I really liked the area and it really felt comfortable and, and safe for me um, walking around Capitol. So, um, and the smaller, the school itself, you know, is, is a is division three. So class sizes were, were a big thing for me. Um, I knew it wasn't just going to be a number. I knew it could balance sports and um, academics at Capitol. So all of those combined really helped with uh, the decision I made going to Capitol. We're talking with Danny Davide of the men's ba- or men's lacrosse program. He's a class of 2017. And so, Danny, you are also a two-time first-team All-OAC midfielder and three-year starter for the Crusaders. Talk about your progression as a player from year one to year four. Um, it was really just finding my role for the team. So freshman year, I, I played offense, actually, and all my teammates and, and Coach Olin, I'm sure, would, would laugh at the fact that I, I was on <laughs> offense my freshman year. And then sophomore year, Coach Olin decided to switch me to defensive mid, and that's where I really found my role for the team and kind of how I, I took off from there. Um, and, you know, I was able to uh, work to the advantages that I, uh, that I had um, and then junior, senior year as well, being named captain um, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. Um, I, you know, I grew into to, to the leadership role and figuring out on how to be a team leader on and off the field as well. And, um, you know, just growing from there and realizing what we had was special and just trying to do my best to uh, get the team rolling with everything that the coaches had in mind from freshman year to, to senior year. Now, you were part of a very special team, the first that had an undefeated OAC season when you and the Crusaders went 6-0, and won the regular season title, and had a 14-3 and overall record, that being back in 2015. What about that season and that team was special? Um, you know, I-, I think about that season all the time, and I'm super, super close with with both those grades, my grade and the grade below me, because we had something really, really special that year um, that we knew that we had incoming freshmen that were going to be good. Uh, Coach Olin did a really good job recruiting that, that summer and going into it, he told us that we had to work hard uh, off season to get ready for ball ball. Cause we had a really group of uh, kids, a really good group of kids coming in. So we, you know, fall ball that year, um, something clicked. We had like a new group of kids that we all really liked and we saw the potential we had. 
So, you know, all of fall ball, I remember we practiced really hard. And, I mean, everybody was out lifting. Everybody was doing their wall ball outside of practice. We were all hanging all the time. And it was just uh, just a really good group that we had. And then going into season, you know, we had such a successful fall ball season. We knew that we could do something big. And uh, we were all completely bought in. And um, it just – everything fell into place for us. We really connected on and off the field as well. Um, and like I said before, we were all really bought in, and it just led to that unforgettable season. I think that any of my teammates would say um, was definitely one to remember. Absolutely, I still remember it like it was yesterday too. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> you you know, and you were also part of teams that didn't just do something special like that, but you went to OAC tournament championships twice. Uh, in the big picture of the program's growth, how does getting to the ship in such a little span of time? speak to the growth of a program in just those four years? I think it just shows how well our coaching staff is um, or, or was and, and is today because we had, I mean, I don't know of, of a team that has able, was able to make it to their conference championship twice um, in four years of only being a four-year program. Um, I think, you know, I had great coaches from Coach Olin and Coach Griff to um, Coach Don Marzano as well my senior year. And, uh, you know, they really helped the team get to where they were by uh, their practice schedule, their routine, how hard they worked for us, um, and how well they recruited uh, for the Capital Lacrosse program. Now, you, you accomplished much on the field, obviously, but you also did a lot of great work off of the field as well. Can you talk about another big accomplishment that you feel helped define your time at Capitol, maybe this time off the field? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'd say coming out of the closet, going into my junior year, um, definitely was a big accomplishment for me, especially being a college athlete um, on a men's program. It was really daunting. And, you know, my teammates really changed my life by accepting me for who I was or for who I am. And, um, you know, I think that's, again, like probably the biggest accomplishment I've had so far off the lacrosse field is just being able to um, be myself. And uh, my, yeah, my teammates definitely helped with that. No doubt about that. We're talking with Danny Davide, men's lacrosse alum from the class of 2017. Danny, you're in Ohio currently as we record this interview, but only because of the pandemic. Uh, When you're not in Ohio, you are living in a much warmer, beachier place, if you will. Where do you call home now and and what are you up to? Yeah, so currently I'm home um, in Laguna Hills in Orange County, California. Um, Really love it there. (laughs) I love California. Uh, I currently work at a gym called Athlete's Choice, um, and it's a really, really cool gym. We train um, all, all sorts of athletes, uh, mainly lacrosse, though. Um, we do, like, group classes, uh, skill level classes for lacrosse, um, and we do private lacrosse lessons as well. And then on top of that, I'm a personal trainer, so I do an adult fitness boot camp in the mornings. Um, and, again, for, for that, we just – I just do uh, like a full body fitness uh, program for them as well. Now, when you're training athletes, how different is it to train a lacrosse player, which you're probably most familiar with compared to an athlete of a different sport? Um, You know, lacrosse is really cool because I think you need a lot of other skill levels to be good at lacrosse. um, And that carries over to different sports. So, 
for instance, when I coach a, a basketball player or a soccer player, um, it's all about footwork. And I think footwork correlates to lacrosse, to basketball, to soccer. Uh, so I, you know, when I do, um, a kid from a different sport, uh, mainly their focus is, is speed and agility. Um, and so I use my lacrosse skills, um, what I've learned uh, through Nick Tintel and other coaches with like footwork and speed and agility. Um, I, I do that with my other um, multi-sport athletes. Now you say that you, ta- you uh, work with athletes of all sorts and you also do an adult boot camp. So what is, what's the ra- uh, range of ages that you work with with all of your endeavors? Um, my age range, let's see, uh, I coach a little kids like beginner classes for lacrosse. They're as young as six years old, six, seven. Um, and then my adult, uh, fitness bootcamp class, I have, um, ladies and gentlemen who are in their, uh, sixties, late sixties. So the range is pretty good. <laughs> I got to imagine that the range between ages is pretty good. And I got to imagine that the range between athletic levels is also different. So how does your training, how does your coaching compare from someone like me, the non-athlete to someone that is a regular at your adult boot camp? Um, I think it's all just about finding out their athletic ability and level and then gearing it towards what they are, are working on or what they want to work towards. Um, so, you know, when I have a little kid coming in and they're brand new um, at the sport of lacrosse, it's definitely harder, but um, more of a challenge. But I, I kind of like that better because I'm able to really work with that athlete um, and try and impact them positively Um Patience, I think, is is the biggest virtue I'm I'm learning. Um, and then when it comes to to the adults, um, a lot of them, you know, didn't play college sport, um, but they obviously have a goal in mind. And so for them, it's really just working on um, toning up, losing weight, and really just po- uh, body positivity. And so, uh, you know, when I have a private session with with a client or when I do my group classes it's really geared towards uh the overall goal which is to live a healthier healthier lifestyle excellent now when you say that you're an instructor and you do these boot camps what kind of an instructor do you consider yourself are you that easygoing type or (laughs) you the drill instructor that's in your face a motivator how do you characterize yourself in that moment um it it varies per class and per client (laughs) So for my boot camp class, I'm I'm pretty chill. I'm definitely motivated, um, but you know, um, I don't get into the adult spaces. Whereas the little kids, uh, depending on their age and their level of of athleticism and and you know how many years they've done lacrosse, it, sometimes I I get a bit angrier when uh, they don't listen to the drill that I'm trying to expl- explain or they're not listening or doing something wrong over and over again, then I might be a little bit more of an aggressive coach, but typically I'm not, not that, uh, I'm not that mean of a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like even I can survive your kind of, uh, your kind of instruction. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, we're talking with Danny Davide, class of 2017, an alum of the Capital Men's Lacrosse Program. A couple more questions for you, Danny. You told me offline that, you know, you didn't just, you know, you didn't hop on a plane and go to California. You actually made the trip cross country. I mean, you got in a car and drove and I'm going to take a stab at it, but it probably wasn't like RV glamping lifestyle either. I mean, what was the trip like for you to drive cross country and, you know, span 3000 plus miles to get to where you were going to call home? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, definitely daunting. I When I first got out there, I had a Ford Focus, just a little car. And I was trying to figure out how I can fit my whole my whole life in a car and drive across country. So uh, I got those, like, vacuum Ziploc seal bags. And I shoved all my clothes in these bags and tried to suck the air out of it. And, like, they became these flat little pieces of plastic that I shoved in my um, trunk. And then I didn't really bring anything else besides my lacrosse stick and the gear. I had to have that with me. And um, I had like a TV and that was really it. And I left right after New Year's. So the weather wasn't ideal. So what me and my boyfriend at the time, what we did was we just mapped out this, this southern route to California. So we drove down through Arkansas and then across like Oklahoma Texas, Arizona, and stopped at different places and, you know, uh, did some sightseeing, went to the Grand Canyon, and then I saw relatives in Phoenix as well, and then made it to San Diego when I first moved out there. It was a lot of fun. And no doubt, it was, I mean, it's like the ultimate setup job, too. You leave Ohio in the winter, and you head west, and you're, like, in a whole different climate. Had to have been awesome to not see snow on the ground. Oh, yeah, it was great. I got to San Diego. 70 degrees and sunny my first week there yeah <laughs> it was nice just like you planned it exactly <laughs> now the last question here danny you know obviously um going through an athletic career going through uh, much of what life has handed you and then making a new life across the country you've probably garnered a lot of advice along the way what do you feel like is the best piece of advice that you can hand to somebody younger than you um, I think the, the best advice would be to uh, don't play it safe. So uh, I was really nervous to obviously move, move across country. Uh, and I don't, if I would have, you know, played the safe route of staying in Ohio where I was comfortable, I don't think I would have, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And um, I think a lot of the times we don't do what we really want to do because we're afraid of the consequences, if there are any. Um, and the unknown and you know everything that I've done the last two and a half years um, if I didn't take the safe route and took chances I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today so I think um, you know don't settle for less uh, don't be complacent and, and really go for what you want to what you want to do with your life and just figure it out day by day um, week by week and um, when you see an opportunity uh, take a chance on it because it could really change your life Fantastic. And if you're ever out west and you're in the Orange County, Laguna Hills beach area, look up Danny and he'll show you all the cool beaches and all the cool stuff to do out that way. You might have to be taking my reservation here pretty soon uh, <laughs> once we get the snow back up and around whenever that may happen and in Ohio. You never know. When yeah, that that's be. true. Of course. Of course. <laughs> all right, Danny. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us and, and 
sharing uh, your life with us after the facts uh, with Capital and being our first lacrosse alum to join the program. It's been awesome having you and uh, safe travels for when you go back to the West Coast and, and best of luck moving forward in your next endeavors. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. This has been Danny Davide, a class of 2017 and an alum of the Capital Men's Lacrosse Program, joining us on our alumni spotlight. Keep it locked here on Forward Capital Crusaders. We're moving and we're going to bring you more of the best of what's happening in Capital Athletics after this short break. Well, wasn't that fun? Another episode of Forward Capital Crusaders is in the books. If you have a story idea or a lead for a future episode or some feedback for the show, hop on the Anchor app and leave us a message using the voice message feature. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Our next episode will be June 16th, so set your notifications and reminders so you don't miss our next show. We'll welcome in Lynn Winters, head coach of the women's tennis team. We'll give you the latest in Capital Athletics news and bring you another alumni spotlight. So stay tuned for the full lineup as we get closer to the episode dropping. Also, the Capital Top 10 Moments of 2019-20 will be launching in the coming weeks. So visit us online at athletics.capital.edu to see what moments made the list. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, Cap fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Be kind and stay safe, everyone.